Good morning. Uh, good to be with you. I think all of us have at different parts in our life, or think with me, if you will, when you were a kid, what do you wanted to be when you grew up, right? And so I think it depends on the age and like what was going on, they, the things changed. So I'll share with you some of the things that I wanted to be. Uh, the first thing I can remember wanting to be when I was in kindergarten, I wanted to be a football player. Obviously, that <laughs> was not going to work out for me. Um, at one point in high school, I wanted to be a sports announcer, commentator, work for ESPN. Uh, in college, I went in as a music major, not sure what I was going to do, maybe something with music. I had no idea, but at different seasons, different ages, I wanted to do different things. Um, but I probably peaked when I was around 10 years old. Uh, I had big dreams for my life. I wanted to do something amazing and awesome and influential and impact the world. Uh, and so when I was about 10 years old, I wanted to be a Backstreet Boy. And uh, apparently, I did not make this picture, apparently that's me on every single one, so if you're scarred. In fact, I wanted to be one so bad that me and my friends, when we were about 10 years old, we actually did a Backstreet Boys concert in our neighborhood. Um, all I remember is I wore, wore a John Elway football jersey for it. I don't know why. We don't have pictures of it, but we do have home video of it somewhere. And uh, we basically like lip sync to like 10 of their songs. We charged 25 cents a person, and it was awesome. And then life has just gone downhill from then. And so that is... That was my dream. So um, anyway, I, I, I bring that up because I want to begin with this question this morning, and that's this. I want us to be thinking about who we want to become, or the question for you is, who do you want to become, right? And I think uh, oftentimes we think of things that we want to be, but I, I, I don't want us to just think of what, like not just like vocationally or career-wise, but who. Like what type of person do you want to become, and what does it take to become that type of of person. That's what we're going to be looking at uh, this morning as we continue our series masterclass. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and, and grab it. Uh, if not, there's a black one in the seat back in front of you. Uh, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning. Uh, in January, we began a series called a masterclass. We're going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, basically what this is, this is a book written by this guy named Paul within 20 years of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He's writing to a church in Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece, and they've got a whole, whole host of issues. They love Jesus, but they've got a lot of problems, a lot of issues, and their culture, and especially the culture in Corinth, is very similar uh, to our culture today. They deal with a lot of the same things, and so we're just going through this book, and we're seeing how the gospel impacts every area of our Life, And so we're going to pick up in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning. Um, if you were here last week, uh, the first part of 1 Corinthians 4, we talked about, or Paul wrote about being faithful. And he talked about all how ultimately God has called us to be faithful and we are to live for him and not for the approval of other people. And he is using this example of Paul and Apollos and Peter and some of the early Corinthian church leaders because what had happened was there is a lot of uh, uh, division and angst that was uh, splitting the church because they were uh, attaching themselves to Christianity to the church leaders, to people and things instead of Jesus, and it was causing all sorts of problems. And so he was using him as an example to say, I know people may not like me for certain things. I know people may not think I'm as good a gifted a speaker as other people, but my call is to be faithful. And if you're a follower of Christ, your call is to be faithful wherever God has you. And so we'll pick up 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Here's what Paul says. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. In other words, Apollos is another leader. He's going to use him and Apollos as an example of what does it mean to follow Jesus. So that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, nothing beyond what is written. The purpose is that none of you will be arrogant, favoring one person over 
another. Again, here's the point, that Paul and Apollos, and by extension, anyone who is following Jesus, are mere servants. Nobody is better than anyone else. Nobody should be elevated more than anyone else. It's about following Jesus, not about following people and things. And when Paul says here that nothing, or to, not live, or to live within the boundaries of what is written, he's simply meaning this, that you and I, that the Corinthians, uh, wouldn't boast in leaders or anybody else and said we were follow Jesus, and we were follow uh, what God has written for us in the Scriptures. In other words, you could look at it this way. Uh, that what Paul is trying to say is that there is no room for pride in our lives. There's no room for pride before Jesus, and here's why. Here's why. Verse 7, for who makes you so superior? So he's asking the Corinthians, some of which have become arrogant. He said, who makes you so superior? And then he's going to ask them two questions to kind of make his point. He says, what do you have that you didn't receive? In fact, if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you hadn't received it? In other words, he's saying this, who do you think you are, right? And he says this, like, like, who do you think you are? You know that you were saved by Jesus and what he's done for you. Like, you were not saved by yourselves. And the fact, you were, the fact that you were even alive is because God created you. He allows you to breathe. He allows you to live. In fact, everything that you have has been given to you by God. And so he's saying his life's salvation, everything you have has been given to you by God. So the question then is, what do you have to be prideful about, right? You didn't save yourselves. You didn't become awesome. And then God said, no, I'm going to love and die and give my life for you. No, it's while you were sinners, while you were in the midst of turning from him, that is when Christ came. And so what he's saying there is that who are, uh, who are we to act like we are something we're not? Who are we to act like we have arrived? And so here's what I want us to know this morning as we're looking at this text. Here's what I want us to know, that who you are drives what you do. Who you are drives what you do. And oftentimes we get this backwards. Oftentimes we think it's what we do and that makes us who we are. But the reality is everything that you do is driven by an identity or driven by you thinking you are something or trying to be something. So for example, the Corinthians, right, they had become arrogant. They thought they were better than others. And so because of that, because of that identity, because they had thought of themselves, it caused all this uh, division, all this uh, anxiety and all this kind of possibly split in the church because they thought, some of them thought they were better than others. And so they lived out who they thought they were. Who you are drives what you do. It's not the other way around. And so it's important for us to ask this question again, who do you want to become? Uh, I'll give you an example, one of my favorite examples. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass you. Um, but if you are a person that does this, I, I love people that are like, uh, have sports superstitions. I love it, right? Especially people that are like, God doesn't exist, but I'm going to wear the same underwear for every single game. And I, I'm like, that, that, you know that. But here's the thing, right? You have no control over if, they, if, if your favorite player makes a free throw, if the field goal goes in, if they score the goal. Like, you have no control over that. But we tend to think, like, I've got to do the same thing every game. And then I'm always like, well, well what if, like, you do it, but the other 1,000 people that have a superstition, they don't do it? Like, who, who, how many people have to do it for their team to win, right? It's just crazy, right? But here's what's happening, right? Here's what's happening. Because you think you have, an, you, you, you have some sort of outcome or what you do makes a difference in the game, you have a behavior, right? Your superstition is driven from you thinking you can make a difference. And I'm sorry to tell you, you can't, okay? So change your underwear, wash the clothes, it'll be better for all of us, okay? But who you are drives what you do. Again, in that situation, if you think you can have an outcome of the game, your behavior drives that. Who you are drives what you do. And that's what Paul is getting at here. The problem with the Corinthians is they have forgotten who they are. They've forgotten what they have been called to do. And so they were acting in a way that wasn't representative of who they are and who, is, who God had called them to be. And so if we continue, Paul says this, and he's using some irony, 
But he says this in verse 8. He says, you are already full. You are already rich. You have begun to reign as kings without us. And I wish you did reign so that we could also reign with you. In other words, the irony here is you guys think that you have arrived. And Paul says, I wish that you have arrived. I wish that you were in God's kingdom. Like, I wish that we were reigning with God, because if you were, then I would be with you and everything would be awesome. But the reality of the situation is this. They haven't arrived, right? They, you and I are still, if you're living and breathing, which you are if you're in this room, right? You still have life to live. You will still suffer at times. Life will still be difficult. And Paul is calling them, and by extension, calling us to humble ourselves and still live humbly, still grow in Jesus and extend that love for others. In other words, again, they had forgotten who they are, so their, their behavior was driven. They were acting like something they weren't. They were acting like they had achieved something that they had it. And, and think of it this way. Like, if you, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation or maybe seen someone else who thought they were something or thought they had something that they didn't. Like, for example, like let's say you thought you won the lottery, and before you turning in your ticket, you go and buy a bunch of stuff, right? Because you thought you were a lottery winner. You bought a bunch of stuff, and then you realize you didn't win the lottery. Like, that would be bad. Um, but I want to, instead of explaining to you probably the most famous example of this in recent memory, I want to show you a clip of somebody thinking they were something, but finding out that they weren't. So check this out. Miss Universe 2015 is... Okay, folks, uh, there's, I have to apologize. The first runner up is Columbia. Miss Universe 2015 is Philippines. Listen, folks. Let me just take control of this. This is exactly what's on the card. I will take responsibility for this. It was my mistake. It was on the card. Please don't hold it against the ladies. Please don't. We feel so badly, but it's still a great night. Thank you all. That's awful, right? And here's the thing. In that moment, uh, I forget, Costa Rica, who, who, who didn't win? They thought they won. Colombia, okay. So Colombia thinks she's won. And, and you can imagine, like imagine this, like you're there, you might be thinking of all the things that being Miss Universe would mean for you, the endorsements, like for the rest of your life, you could say you were this thing, that you won this thing. But the reality is that you haven't. And what Paul is saying here is that you and I, if we think we're something we're not, will act in such a way and we will fall short of what God has for us. And so here is why we need to know that who you are drives what you do. Here's why. Because your identity shapes who you are. Your identity, what you identify with, what you think uh, uh, describes you, what you live for will shape who you are and but then by extension will shape what you do. And I think so often, again, we, New Year's resolutions are like the, the, the epitome of this, right? We have all these goals and things that we want to do, and then six months in, like, we don't do any of them. 
And the reason is, is because we're thinking about the behavior. We're not thinking about our identity. And if identity drives behavior, if we're not that type of person, we won't accomplish the goals. We won't become the type of people we want to be. And so I want to make this practical. I want to share with you something that I started doing uh, a few months ago. And I'm hesitant to share this because I don't want you to think that I've like figured this all out, that I have it all together, because I don't. But I want to share this with you as an example of what does it mean? What does it look like for us to be the type of people that we want to be? And so earlier this year, I uh, wrote 14 declarations for myself that I say every day. And the reason I do this, I have this titled, Who I Want to Be. It's not because I embody all of these things, but it's because I, I want to. So I want to read this for you real quick. Uh, as, as it's not a practice that I do to help shape my identity. This is what I say every day, every, every morning. I say these things. I say, I'm a committed follower of Jesus and put him first in my life. I'm a, person, a, a person, I don't even know, what am I? See, this is why I say these things. <laughs> I am a person and pastor of integrity. I am a husband who loves my wife well and puts her needs before my own. I am a father who loves his children and points them toward Christ. I am a leader worth following. I stay physically fit for the good of my family and to do all that God has for me to do. I am a lifelong learner. I develop leaders and desire their success be greater than my own. I, do, I am not afraid to do the right thing no matter the cost. I do not sacrifice long-term success for short-term gain. I innovate and create fresh ways for people to encounter the gospel. I am not perfect, and I will not pretend to be, as my weaknesses lead me to rely on God. I am not defined by my accomplishments, but by who I am in Christ. And lastly, I do my best every day and rest in the providence of God. Now, here's the thing about these declarations. Am I all of these things? Uh, Probably not. I mean, ask our staff, am I a leader worth following? I don't know. You can decide that. Our staff can decide that. But here's the thing. I want to be. I want to be that person. Am I someone who always puts my wife first? No but I want to be. And so I say these things every day to remind myself when life gets hard that this is who I want to be. And because I want to be this type of person, I'm going to do things to make them happen, right? Who you are drives what you do. And so it's about who, you, who do you want to become is the bigger question than what are you actually doing. You know, what's interesting is yesterday I uh, had, was watching the tournament uh, and I was sitting on the couch. I was reading and Christina, my wife, was sleeping. Our one-year-old Roman was taking a nap. And Finley, who's almost four, she was in her room doing quiet time. She does it every day. She has to go and play in her room by herself for a while. And about halfway through, I'm sitting on the couch, I'm reading, and all of a sudden, I hear Finley scream singing. And she started doing this recently because Roman, our one-year-old, does it. Like, he's, he doesn't know how to talk. He, he likes to, like, talk loud. And so he's just like, ah, yeah, yeah. He does it all the time, right? It's cute, except it's really loud. And so she started doing this. And I was about to tell her, like, hey, Finley, I need you to be quiet because people are napping. But then I, I hear what she's saying. She starts saying, she says this. She goes, I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. And I'm thinking, like, oh, that's cute. Like, she's singing, like, a worship song and all that sort of thing. So I'll let her keep doing it. She does this for, like, three minutes straight. But then she says, I do the right thing even when it's hard. I do the right thing even when it's hard. And she does this for, like, three minutes. And then she says, I tell the truth even when others don't. I tell the truth even when others don't. And she does this. Yes, it, what was so crazy to me is when I started doing mine, we wrote these for Finley. She has seven declarations that we make her say out loud every single day. She was singing three of them. Now, here's the deal. I don't think Finley, Finley actually understands fully what she's saying. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to develop her into the person that God has called her to be. So as she grows older and she doesn't want to tell the truth because she doesn't want to get in trouble, she will remember, no, I, do, I tell the truth even when it's hard. 
And, and when she's with her friends and they're all hanging out together and they're rooting for Carolina, she's going to think, you know what? I do the right thing even when others don't. And she won't, right? And so she's become, because we want her to become a type of person. We want her to create the identity that we want to see. So you can take it or leave it. I just want to share with you again, who you are drives what you do. So you need to focus on who you want to become, not what you're doing. And that will change the person that you are. See, the Corinthians had forgotten that. They thought that they, they thought they were something that they weren't. And so their behavior was indicative of thinking they're something they weren't. And their behavior was not good for them and was causing issues in the church. So again, the question is, who do you want to become? And Paul continues by saying this in verse 9. He says, for I, think, uh, for I think God has displayed us, the apostles, in last place, like men condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to people. And so what Paul is saying is instead of becoming arrogant, instead of thinking that we're awesome, instead of thinking that we're better than uh, the Corinthian leaders, but by extension, anyone that are followers of Christ, he said, we should instead be like men condemned to die. The, the imagery that Paul would have been conjuring up here is like kind of like the, the, like the big arenas or uh, maybe uh, an enemy soldier that has been captured and was drugged through the streets before they were going to be executed. Paul said, this is it. This is, this is us. That you and I, instead of thinking that we're better than, instead of trying to achieve all the status, that we are to humble ourselves, to love other people, to put them first for the good of others and for the good of ourselves so that we can see Jesus and we can be Jesus in our life and, and in the lives of others. And this is why it is so important for us to know who we want to become. Because you can't do this, right? You can't humble yourselves. You can't be okay with maybe people saying things about you that aren't true. You can't be, you can't be a person of forgiveness and grace if you aren't secure in who you are. If you don't know who you are, then you can't do things. If you don't know who you are, you're always going to be trying to, to measure up and making sure your kids are behaving so you look good as a parent and make sure you have tons of likes on Instagram and make sure you have a lot of money so you can impress your friends. Like If you're not secure in who you are, you can't do what Paul <coughs> is asking us to do here. So again, let me ask, who do you want to become? Right? The, the Corinthians were not being the people that God had called them to be because they were missing this question. And then Paul says this in verse 10, using irony again. He says, we are fools for Christ. In other, in other words, some of the Christians that were persecuted and that were, were not trying to be better than others. He says, we are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Again, he was saying, he's using irony to say, do you really see how, how crazy, how backwards this is, that you act like you've arrived when in reality, Jesus has done everything for you. He's the one that deserves the glory, not you. And so if it is true that who you are drives what you do, here's what I want us to do this morning. Here's what I want us to do with this text, and that's this, that you and I need to find our identity in Christ, right? You need to find your identity and Christ. And here's the deal. I know this sounds churchy. I know this sounds like the thing you're supposed to say, but if you want to become the person that God has called you to be, you can't do that apart from him. That you and I need to find our identity in Christ so that we can be the people that Christ had called us to be. You see, the Corinthians were not doing that, right? They were finding their identity in people and leaders and attaching their significance and value in them and there was leading to all sorts of problems in their life because they had put their identity, they had placed their identity in all the wrong things. And you and I, if we're not careful, we do the same things, right? It's having well-behaved kids. It's having looking a certain way on social media. It's making a lot of money. It's uh, maybe talking down about others so that we can elevate ourselves, right? When, we are, when our identity is not in the right thing, it leads to all sorts of issues in our life. Why? And then, and then when we try to fix it, like all the self-help books, right? You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. 
It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. You've got to focus on who you want to become. And if you want to become the person that God has created you and I to be, then we have to find our identity and our security in him. And if we do that, if we do that, I think here's what will happen. Here's what Paul says in verse 11. He says, up to the present hour, we, he's talking about Paul and Apollos here, himself and Apollos, are both hungry and thirsty. We are poorly clothed. We are roughly treated. And we are homeless, right? And so because of that, some of the Christians were looking down on them as less than, as then they must have done something wrong. They're not good of, as good as us because they have all these issues. But he's saying that's not true. Right? We're trying to be faithful. And sometimes being faithful means things will not go the way you want to go. But then he says this. And again, if we want to find ourselves in the story, and this is what Paul is trying to do here. He's trying to bring us into the story. He says, here's what we're supposed to do, verse 12. He says, we labor working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we respond graciously. Twitter hadn't been invented yet. And even now, we are like the scum of the earth, like everyone's garbage. Let me ask this question. Who does this sound like? Who does this sound like? I'm going to read this again. Who does this sound like? Up to the present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty. We are poorly clothed, roughly treated, homeless. We labor working with our hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. Even when we are slandered, we respond graciously. Even now, we are like the scum of the earth, like everyone's garbage. You know who this sounds like? It sounds like Jesus. Right? This sounds like Jesus. Right? And so what happens in our lives is that when we respond, when we love, when we give grace, when we forgiveness, like Jesus, we probably might at some point be looked down upon. We probably might at some point be passed over for the promotion because we're not going to cut corners and people know that. Here's the thing that Jesus looked, felt like it appeared to many people as a nobody, as worthless, as a fool. Jesus appeared to be unimportant because he did not do what everyone else was out to do. He was not out for himself. He was not out to gain all this power. And the question is, how was he be able to do this? Because he found his identity in God the Father. He knew what he was coming to do. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't concerned with appearances. He wasn't concerned of looking about amazing before other people. He knew who he was, and that drove what he did. And here, here's, what, here's what Jesus did. Uh, in in uh, Romans chapter 12, it'll be on the screen, it says this. He said, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 12. This is what, Paul, this is what Jesus did. He blessed and didn't persecute it. He blessed and he gave forgiveness and grace, which is quite, uh, quite different than what our culture does today. Or he says this uh, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 22, it says this. Uh, he, talking about Jesus, did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. If your goal is to simply be a good person. If your goal is to try to be a great person and always does the right thing, you will fail. You will fail. If your goal is to do that, you will fail. Why? Because it's about your identity that drives your behavior. It's not about what you do. You see, Jesus, no deceit was found in his love. He was grace and forgiveness. Why? Because he entrusted himself to God the Father. He knew who he was, which drove what he did. And here is why you and I need to find our identity in Christ, in, in Jesus. Here's why. Because in order to do what God has called you to do, you must be who God has called you to be. 
In order to do what God has called you to do, you must be who God has called you to be. So the question again is, who do you want to become? I think so often, again, we, we, we kind of view, this is why, I was thinking about this yesterday, and don't hold this against me because I didn't think a lot of thought of it, it just came to my mind, that I don't think, I could not think of anything in the New Testament, maybe I should have done research in front of this because I might get in trouble, um, so again, take a grain of salt, that Jesus, other than like, okay, here's, here's what I want you to do and not do in terms of like, uh, be good, like uh, good things and bad things, that he actually gives like a value to. Like he says to be generous, uh, he says to be gracious, he says to be forgiving, but he doesn't say like how much to do it, right? He doesn't say what you're supposed to do. He simply tells us what we, what we should do and what we shouldn't do, but he doesn't tell us like what that actually looks like. Why? Because he's not so much concerned about behavior modification, he's concerned about your heart, and he knows if your heart is following Jesus, it will change what you do. Listen, what we do matters. How we live matters, but even more than that, it's our hearts. And Jesus knows if we put our identity in him, that'll lead us to do the things that are good for us and that bring him glory. Again, in order to do what God has called you to do, you must be who God has called you to be. And if you get this wrong, you will always fall short, you will always be frustrated, and you will always think that God is mad at you because you haven't done what he's called you to do. In other words, he just simply said, come and follow me. He's saying, come and follow me. And if we do that, I'll read one more passage in 1 Peter. Here's what he says in verse 8. This is what happens if we find our identity in him. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you might inherit a blessing. Uh, listen to me this morning. This is freedom. This is freedom. The, the ability to be compassionate, the ability to be humble, the ability not to have to prepay evil for evil, uh, the ability not to have to repay insult for insult, but in, instead be gracious, be forgiving, give a blessing. Listen, this is freedom. The ability to be able to live your life not trying to live for the approval of other people, not trying to do things to impress other people, that is Freedom, And this is why Paul, the last uh, verse I'll read this morning, Paul says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. This is why he says this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. You, you want to know what slavery is? Is that every time you take a picture, you have to edit it 30 times because you want to make sure you get a certain amount of likes. You want to know what slavery is? Is getting so upset and embarrassed every time your kids misbehave in public because you want to appear like you're the perfect parent. You want to know what slavery is? Is having your entire life crushed because you didn't get that one job you really wanted to so you can impress your friends and your family. That is slavery. You want to know what slavery is? Is every time someone gets mad at you, you have to repay and you have to say something right away, even if you know you're going to regret it later because you want to appear strong and powerful. That is slavery. You want to know what slavery is? Not being able to stop your addictions because you're too, uh, you're too arrogant to tell someone you need help. That is slavery. You want to know what freedom is? Forgiveness, grace, mercy, love. You want to know what freedom is? Freedom is what we say all the time here at New City Church, that this is the gospel. That because of Jesus, you have nothing to prove and you have no one to impress. That is freedom. 
knowing that because Jesus died for you, that he was perfect, he was perfection for you, you have nothing to prove because you get the perfection and righteousness and holiness of Jesus. You want to know what freedom is? Knowing that because of Jesus, that we have nothing to impress because God looks at us as perfect, righteous, and holy. And if the perfect God of the universe loves us and approves of us, we've got nothing to prove to anybody else. If you walk in that, that is freedom. That is not slavery. Slavery is living your life, struggling, thinking God's mad at you, trying to impress other people. That will kill you. That will not lead you to the life that God wants for you. That is slavery. That is not freedom. Jesus is calling us to freedom. And the way we find freedom is not by trying really hard. The way we find freedom is not by trying to be a good person. The way we find freedom is by finding Jesus. The way we find find freedom is by finding Jesus. So let me ask this question again. Who do you want to become? Here's the thing. You may think things like this. I would like to be a more generous person. Or maybe I would like to be more forgiving. That would be good. Or more gracious. Or I would like to be someone who maybe doesn't talk bad about others. Or I would like to be someone uh, who's known that if someone's in need, I'm going to help them. Here's the thing about who you want to become is that I, had, I know who you want to become even if you don't, even if you don't know. You know who you want to become? You want to become more like Jesus. That's who you want to become. Listen, even if you're not sure about this whole God thing, even if you're not sure Jesus exists, you want to become more like Jesus because Jesus was the perfect embodiment of love, grace, forgiveness, generosity, uh, meekness, all these things that we, all the qualities that you and I want to become are found in Jesus. And if that's true, here's, what, here's the, the main point, the bottom line that I want us to take away from this text this morning, and that's this that you can't become like Jesus if you don't have Jesus. You and I cannot become like Jesus if you don't have Jesus. Now hear me, you don't need Jesus to be generous. You don't need Jesus to be forgiving. You don't need Jesus to be loving. But here's the thing, you do need Jesus to be as forgiving and gracious and generous as God created you to be. Like I know a lot of people that don't know Jesus, don't believe in God, and they're great people. But they would be uh, even more like those things. They would embody those qualities even more if they have Jesus. And so here's my encouragement for you this morning. And instead of trying to always do the right thing, which is important, which is good, you and I need to try to follow Jesus, and when we blow it, know that he has given us grace and forgiveness to come to him. And if you strive to be more like Jesus, you will become the person that you want to become. And we, all, and we do all of this because of the gospel, right? The gospel is simply this, the good news that Jesus came and gave his life for us, that he did for us what we could not do. He gave his life on the cross, died for us, a defeated death, resurrected three days later, so that anyone... Not anyone who did a really good job, not for people who try really hard, not for people who never lie, not for people who read their Bible every day, not for people who give a lot of money, not for people who pray for two hours a day. No, no, no. He came for people to simply follow him. If you trust and follow of Jesus, then Jesus is here for you. He loves you. He gives you grace, forgiveness, and mercy. And again, what we do matters, but even more than that, who we identify with and who we follow matters even more. And if you're following Jesus, you'll become like Jesus. You can't become in the fullness of the things. You cannot become the person you want to become apart from Jesus. Jesus is our example. He is our Savior. He is the one that came to give us freedom. And if we want to be the person that we want to be, as Paul is writing about here, if we want to, if we want to inherit the blessing, if we want to be someone that gives forgiveness and grace and mercy, our identity has to be found in him. And if our identity is found in him, when we blow it, when we fall short, when we screw up, instead of having to run away and be scared, we know we can go right back to the one who gave his life for us. Listen, you, we, you and I can't become like Jesus 
if we don't have Jesus. And the good news is that Jesus came for that exact reason, so that we could have him, so that we could be included into his family, and so that we could inherit all the blessings that he has for us, not just in this life and the life to come. And as a free gift of grace, that is why Jesus came, for us to live in freedom, for us to be the people that he has called us to be, and it starts by following him. Let's pray.